Welcome to the GMH Podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. We're talking about the Hollywood strike and its impact on Hamilton. Homelessness, mental health, and addiction in Niagara may change from an emergency to a crisis. Max Kerman from Arkells talks about their new single, tour, and album. Learn about Hamilton Health's Socks Off campaign. And Mohawk College's city school program is in expansion mode. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Hollywood Strike is on. The Writers Guild of America walked off the job May 2nd. The Performers Union SAG-AFTRA began its strike last Friday. And uh, there's a lot of angst. A lot of angst in Hollywood and beyond. We are speaking on behalf of workers all across the nation and around the world the eyes of workers are upon us what is decided in this strike and this negotiation is going to impact everybody and if we don't take control of this situation from these greedy megalomaniacs we are all going to be in threat of losing our livelihoods sag after president fran drescher speaking to the media as the strike began on Friday, the uh, Hollywood Actors and Writers strike could deliver a big blow to places like Hamilton and other traditional film hubs in Canada as well. And here to talk about that is Eleanor Noble. Eleanor is the national president of ACTRA, the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television and Radio Artists. She joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Eleanor, good morning. How are you? Morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What is the impact of what we're seeing in Hollywood here in Canada? Yeah, well, we started to feel the impact with the writer's strike in uh, the the, uh, Writers Guild of America. When they went on strike, we started to feel the impact up here. And uh, we are expecting to see more of an impact as time moves on with the SAG-AFTRA strike. And I just want to say that we do, ACTRA stands in solidarity with the Writers Guild and with SAG-AFTRA. And they have been standing in solidarity with us because we have been in a 15-month lockout. It has not ended yet in the commercial jurisdiction in Canada. So right now, nothing is being done in terms of film and TV. In Canada, Canadian film and television production will not be affected at, at this time. Um, production, studio production that's come up from the U.S., our understanding is that those that are currently in production are going to complete production and after that they're not allowed to take on any new contracts okay well that's that's a bit of good news i guess yeah but it will affect it, that will eventually affect uh production right across the country not canadian production but anything that was american involved do you get a sense of how long this could potentially last so the thing is that no one ever wants to take a, a strike move nobody ever wants to hit the picket line uh so it's it's a really big deal to go on strike so uh, because it means that you know workers are out of work uh, performers are not performing so um it's unpredictable how long it could go on we never imagined that our lockout would you know um <laughs> advertising agencies have locked us out of doing commercials we didn't expect to be in a lockout for 15 months we just did another round of negotiating and we're still working at getting out of the lockout as for the the strike with the wga and sag astra we hope that producers come to their senses and get back to the table and make respectable and fair agreements with with our side Eleanor Noble is the national president of ACTRA, the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. How many members do you have? ACTRA has 28,000 members. Wow. So this is this is has a wide-reaching impact. 
100%. And SAG-AFTRA has about 160,000. The Writers Guild has around 11,500. You add that all up, that's around 200,000 uh, people in our industry who will be affected, not to mention all of the crews that, that are with IATSE and you know, caterers, et cetera, et cetera. Everything that, that revolves around production will be affected. Two of the big issues are uh, the streaming era and, you know, the, the new pay structures that uh, the unions and their, and their members want to see and the use of artificial intelligence. Can you speak to both of those? hundred percent. And just to be very clear, their fight is our fight. We share the same issues. The business model has changed. We know that there is, um, you know, high grossing profits on the producer side now, and we are just not being compensated properly. Producers are making big money, and it's unconscionable. We're living with a huge rate of inflation, and when we went into COVID, uh, normally we would go into an audition into a room. Uh, we, we are not paid to audition, and when we went into COVID, when we were all locked at home, producers forced us to audition from our home. So overnight, we had to come up with fancy equipment that cost money. They had very specific needs of what kind of background we had, what kind of cameras, uh, quality of microphones and, and lighting and everything. We were never compensated for that at all. And now that we've come out of COVID, uh, they want to do things in that way and not bring us back into the room. So they've been saving on, on audition readers and, and all of, uh, you know, the, what goes behind an audition. They're saving millions and millions of dollars and nothing's coming back into our pockets. And uh, when we were in lockdown, what did everybody turn to in their homes? They turned to entertainment. They turned and leaned on us. And we came into everybody's home and provided a, a small bit of comfort to get people through those hard times. Anyway, they've never compensated us. They never want to continue to compensate us. And then when it comes to AI, our product is our face, our image, our voice. It is unconscionable to want to uh, steal that away from us and make huge profit. We need to be able to have control over what happens with our voice, with our face, with our image. We need to be able to give consent as to where it's going to be used. And then we need to be compensated for that if we have given consent. But consent is vitally important. Uh, people do not want their face, voice, and image used without knowing where it's going to end up or on what kind of product or, uh, you know, um, whatever kind of you know, story you're going to be doing that doesn't suit somebody. We always have a choice of how we want our image and our voice and our face to be used. And so this is just an unconscionable act to want to create technology um, that will that will steal away our livelihood. You make a very compelling ar argument, and I agree 100%, and in, 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 especially in terms of the AI. You... Your uh, uh, your voice, your your face, your acting ability must be compensated. Going down the AI route is exceptionally scary. Eleanor, we'll I'm have to sure leave it there. You would feel the same. Absolutely, as a, as a radio announcer, right? If you were replaced by AI, absolutely, could easily be done now. You it do could not be. want. So our fight, we share this fight with more than just our performers and our writers. Eleanor, best of luck uh, with these negotiations. Appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Eleanor Noble is the national president of ACTRA, the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The financial impact of the Hollywood strike, actors and writers, is going to be vast. Some saying it's going to be in the billions of dollars and will be felt even beyond the entertainment industry. Our product is our face, 
our image, our voice, it is unconscionable to want to steal that away from us and make huge profit. We need to be able to have control over what happens with our voice, with our face, with our image. We need to be able to give consent as to where it's going to be used. So that was earlier this morning here on GMH. Eleanor Noble, the national president of ACTRA, the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television and Radio Artists. And here to give his take on what is happening is Marvin Ryder, professor in the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University, who joins us in the studio. Thanks for coming yes. in. Live, yes. Thank yes. you. Here we are. So you heard one of the main issues, artificial intelligence. This yep. is a huge issue yep. for um, the writers, more particularly the, the actors in this case. Let's talk about the two big issues, because the other one's streaming as well, but we'll start with AI. How big of a mushroom cloud is this? Well, if you don't mind, I'll just go back a half a second so that everyone's on the same page. Okay. This all began with a writer's strike. That was back in May. Uh, they had tried to negotiate a contract, and the writer's two issues, same that you're talking about, artificial intelligence. In other words, you ask ChatGPT to write a script, base it on my thoughts, mm-hmm. and then who gets credit and what have you. And then the second was that there's a new stream of revenue called streaming services. Didn't exist. It's like once upon a time, videotapes didn't exist. And wait a minute, if you're going to be rebroadcasting, what's our cut of those things? They've been on strike now for 11 weeks. And then last week, the Actors Union joined them. Mm-hmm. Same two issues. Here, it's not so much about a chat GPT uh, writing a script, but taking your image and doing things with it. And, and if you've not been lucky enough to do so is actually amazing what artificial intelligence can do with an image youth and you make you younger make you older change the color of your hair and they're saying well look if you're using our image we should be paid I should also quickly note that this does not affect the big-name actors because the big-name actors sign a personal services contract. So if you're hiring Tom Cruise, if you're hiring uh, um, you know, Julia Roberts, they're not getting paid scale. They're not right. really going through this. But this is for, actually, the people who probably need it the most, the, the smaller character actors who, you know, third guy from the left mm-hmm. in the scene. And the vast majority. And the vast majority of them. And fortunately, the big guys, the powerful ones, are also saying we're going to support them. We're not going to cross the picket line. We're going to support them. But this is really the question. So with AI in particular, uh, all we know is that AI is going to get better and more complicated at what can do. So this is what it can do today as of July, let's say, 15th, 2023. What's it going to be like in July 15th of 2024 or 2025? So since this is a three-year contract, let's get some provisions in there now. We can always change them down the road. But if we wait three more years, who knows what things are going to mm-hmm. be like. On the AI front, uh, SAG-AFTRA president, Fran Drescher, on Friday, I think it was, said that we're fighting for all workers, not just those in Hollywood, but this this AI business is going to have an impact on all business. Does she have a point there? Yes, yes, although we have no idea what that is. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like being in the early days of the Internet, in which it seemed to be about sending email from one university to another cheaply. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, that it accomplished that, mission accomplished. But boy, look what's happened since. And I, I see this today with technology. I sometimes call it the law of unintended consequences. You create something to do X, whatever X happens to be, and then a clever person says, hey, it can also do Y, Z, and Q. And the next thing you know, uh, your original purpose is in, faded into the rearview mirror. So AI, we, we just have barely scratched the surface is what it's capable of doing, and it will affect all industries out there. Uh, even take, take McMaster University. If I'm a professor and I uh, work to put my course online, whatever that means, uh, well, well, then 
next year? Can the university offer that course without me? Uh, it's my intellectual property. What's going on? So there are a lot of these questions across industries at the moment. Marvin Ryder is our guest in studio here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. He's a professor in the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University. We're talking about the Hollywood strike and how it's uh, going to impact things beyond making movies and TV shows. And the impact, some are saying, is going to be in the billions of dollars. Yeah, not per day. So uh, the last time we had a strike like this, uh, you have to go back some years, it was $20 million a day. We now think it's going to be closer to 30 to $40 million a day. And what I mean by that is it's not necessarily the set itself, because uh, you, you know, employ actors and you employ right. technicians, what have you, but there are people who provide costumes. There are people who provide food. There are people who, who then take your uh, first cut of the master and then make duplicates of it. it, mm-hmm. it Circulates through the industry. Think of here in Hamilton. Why do we think of of movie and television shoots in Hamilton as being big? Because they employ people to support those shoots as it goes. Now, I'm not overly worried about this in a sense because it could be deferred. In other words, we don't shoot today, but we shoot three weeks from now when the strike is settled. Okay, we didn't get the $30 million of activity today, but we're going to get it in three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I, I think some of this is going to be economic activity deferred, not lost forever. But on the other hand, the last time there was a big strike like this, we saw the birth of reality TV, unscripted TV. By the way, that's not affected by this. So you can still keep up with the Kardashians if you want, (laughs) because they they are not actors per se. Um, they and, get the revenue, but... Right. Yeah. And game shows would be another great example of this. Mm-hmm. They're unscripted. So um, I, I will be curious to see this fall on TV, less so your movie theater, but in your TV, uh, what kind of new TV is bred, and then will that displace the, some of the scripted shows? And that's the, that's the flip side of this. You're fighting for a good cause, keep doing it, but you might change the dynamics of the industry. Really quick, because we got to go, but who cracks first? Oh, I think the studios will. They, they need that revenue from the advertisers, and so I think they'll find something. They've put proposals on the table, just not rich enough to date. We'll see how it goes. Marvin, thanks for coming in studio once again. My pleasure. Marvin Ryder is a professor in the DeGroote School of Business, McMaster University, and joining us here in studio on GMH. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Very interesting developments in Niagara region where some counselors there want the city to change its declaration on homelessness, mental health, and addiction from an emergency to a crisis. Laura Epp is a Niagara Regional Councillor representing St. Catharines and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Laura, good morning. Thanks for waking up with us. Uh, No problem. I'm up this time anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this being considered? Uh, Okay, so first of all, declaring a state of emergency is a very particular thing, and it very often is related to weather events. So winter storm at Christmas, right, that's a state of emergency because services are down, programs can't run, people are are without power for days, you know, and so there's a cleanup. Flooding, which happens frequently in Port Colborne and Fort Erie, we declare states of emergency for those sorts of things. Emergencies end. Right, declaring a state of emergency, pulling together your emergency operations center, um, emergencies end. Mental health, addictions, um, homelessness. If we're being completely frank, and I said this in committee two weeks ago or a week ago, um, they're never going to be zero. It is the provincial and federal levels of government, provincial mainly to a lesser extent federal, that have the funds and the policy making tools to resolve these issues. The municipalities have the problem. 
So you declare a state of emergency, you pull together your emergency operations center, they meet twice a month, and nothing has come of their twice a month meetings because these are not issues that we can resolve without the assistance of the provincial and federal levels of government. The province and the feds to this point have only told us what they have done. They have not committed more funds. They have not committed more resources. They've not suggested that they're going to change any policy. So why would we have staff meet to accomplish nothing, um, particularly when we, in as much as we can, have been working on these issues for years, continue to work on these issues, invest more of our local tax dollars in these issues than any other region in the province. So declaring it a crisis takes, it just takes that, that administrative work that is now being done for absolutely no um, return, for no reason, um, off the table. It doesn't mean that council thinks that these things are not important. I would argue that they're the most important issues. I'm probably the most consistently vocal um, councillor on these issues. States of emergency are a different, they're a different thing and they are the wrong tool for these issues. So apart from the administrative standpoint in these twice a month meetings that, as you've mentioned, really aren't accomplishing anything to solve what is happening, um, making or declaring homelessness, mental health and addiction in Niagara region a crisis, is anything going to be different from the city's perspective or the, or the region's perspective? Well, it, it, what it does, so no, because we have been taking these issues seriously. We actually did declare it a crisis last term. Um, and we have been taking these issues seriously. The funding formula for our um, housing and homelessness prevention programs was nearly doubled, not because of the state of emergency, but because we've been advocating for a correction to that formula for years. The 2021 Auditor General's report specifically named Niagara as, um, as where there was a problem with the funding formula. And the province replied to the Auditor General's report saying, we'll fix it. So the the timing of, I mean, we got the the, the correction in the formula shortly after the, the declarations, purely coincidentally. The province had already committed to doing that. Um, that will help because we've got money now so that we can create more bridge housing. We can put more money into shelters. We, we're starting, instead of seasonal shelters, we're transitioning them to permanent shelters. Um, so, you know, Declaring it an emergency or a crisis, a few people have argued, oh, well, we have, by declaring an emergency, we can hold council accountable. People can hold us accountable calling it a crisis. They should be holding us accountable whether we declare it anything at all. Um, these are incredibly complex issues in our in our communities. They should be holding us accountable, regardless of whether we make declarations. We have a couple more minutes with Laura Ipp, Niagara Regional Councillor, representing St. Catharines on the um, the change or potential change of declaration of homelessness, mental health and addiction from an emergency to a crisis. When was, uh, when did it become an emergency and, and why do you think it became an emergency? Uh, well, okay, so it was declared an emergency in February of this year. Um, it became an emergency years ago. Um, <laughs> you know. but, what, but what what led to the declaration, though? Like, what, what led to the change? A, a, few, um, a few community members um, feel that declaring it a state of emergency makes it... They think that it means that the province and the feds will do something. Um, 
that's not, even in a winter storm, we declare states of emergency. It's no guarantee the province or the feds are going to step up with any funding. Um, states of emergency are more about um, bringing resources together and, and coordinating activities, that sort of thing. That's already happening with these issues and has been for years. So I think I'm, I have a tendency to be extremely frank. Declaring it a state of emergency was a good public relations move. Um, on the part of, I voted against the declarations, um, on the part of a number of councillors. It's really difficult. I get it. Um, it's really difficult to vote against these kinds of things because the perception is then that you don't take it seriously. Um, it doesn't mean it's the right, it's the right thing to do and to, to put these sorts of tools in place for the wrong kinds of problems. Makes sense to me. Laura, thank you very much for your time uh, with this, and uh, we'll continue to follow this story. Thank you. Laura Ipp is an Agri-Regional Counselor with St. Catharines. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. The latest smash hit song, Skin, dropped a couple of weeks ago, giving us a tantalizing taste of what's to come this fall when Hamilton's own award-winning Arkells released their latest album, Laundry Pile. And here to talk about it is the one and only Arkell's frontman, Max Kerman. Max, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Man, this song is, uh, it's kind of cool. It, it, it's about going deeper in a relationship, from what I understand, as opposed to, you know, staying on the surface. And I got to say, it hits pretty deep. Where did the idea for this track come from? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like a good uh, double entendre, you know, in a, in a classic sort of country songwriting motif kind of way you know it's like when when you're able to turn a phrase on his head and you know the song is about sort of admiring you know the way somebody looks and understanding the you know what their skin looks like when they're hung over but also when it's cold outside but also when it's warm outside <laughs> like you know, everything in between um but then also wanting more than that and wanting to be you know to know that like you know true love is about loving what's underneath the skin as well and and that's and trying to get to the bottom of that is, is what the song's about is this a personal reflection yeah, I think all the songs uh, are personal reflections that we've written. And, you know, we're we're taking from a lot of different in- inspiration. But I'd say on the whole, you know, Laundry Piles is like a really intimate record and that, we, uh, that we're kind of exploring kind of relationships and love uh, throughout it. Can you give us a glimpse of what Arkell's fans can expect to hear when Laundry Pile is fully unleashed in, uh, on September 21st? Yeah, I mean, we put out... Blink once in September 2021, and then we put out Blink twice, September 2022. So we put out a lot of music, and we have, you know, eight records in our catalog. So if it was just another record of, like, Peppy Arkell songs, uh, we probably wouldn't be putting out this album um, because we have enough of those at the moment. But I think for the band, you know, we really had an amazing time making this kind of very intimate soulful raw album and it was just kind of the five of us working on these arrangements back in january february and when we turned around we had 10 songs that all kind of had a similar feeling and it was very very reflective they weren't in the songs aren't in a hurry you know it's really kind of centered around just like the emotion of the lyrics and 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 the the band singing together and the band playing together and doing exactly what naturally you know came to our bodies and uh so i think the record is much different than any other arkell's record and i think like it, it will live hopefully in, in a special place um that is like singular and unique uh, compared to the rest of our catalog 
Oh, you've, you've pumped it up pretty good. I'm sure all our Arkells fanatics are excited about Laundry Pile. Again, it drops September 21st, and we're in discussion with Arkells frontman Max Kerman. You can get all the details of their music history and exploits online at arkellsmusic.com. Arkells are back on tour as well, which includes a stop uh, at Burning Kiln Winery in the Niagara region and what is going to be, I am sure, a very intimate Campfire Nights concert. How much are you looking forward to that? It's been an amazing project to take on, um, to be honest, because, you know, I think with a normal Arkell show, we've been kind of adding to the bag of tricks for the last 15 years and each show sort of built on the last. Um, But with this show, we kind of tore it all down. Like we wanted to make it like really uh, a different experience altogether. So the songs are all kind of reimagined and they're not just acoustic versions. They're, they're more elaborate than that. They're lusher versions, but it's uh, hopefully going to feel intimate and theatrical a little bit. And um, it's going to be less of a sort of punchy in the face sort of performance and more of a, you know, a sing along that is a little bit more contemplative and you're, you'll get the, you'll get in your feels a little bit more. (laughs) What was that process like? Because, you know, when you create a song, it's your baby and now you're kind of morphing it and tweaking it and massaging it. What was that like? It was, it was really interesting. It was really rewarding, you know, and when doing the campfire chords record back in 2020 uh, was sort of what started this idea because we made that record because it was the only thing we could do at the time because it was COVID and we weren't allowed to see each other, but we could make these acoustic versions remotely in our own home studios and kind of send the songs around to each other. But um, people responded to that record in, in a way that was sort of unexpected. You know, people I think really resonated with the with these kind of stripped down, reimagined versions of our songs. So this summer we were like, you know, let's try to do something a little bit different. And it's amazing, you know, something that we did three years ago can inform what we're doing today. And I'm a real believer in that. You just don't know, you know, what what is going to lead you, for, you know, down the road from some of you did in your past. And uh, yeah, we got to work on it. It's been really fun with the band kind of getting into the, uh, the nitty gritty of the lyrics and the arrangements and seeing how we can turn them inside out. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Max Kerman, Arkell's front man, and uh, just got a new song out called Skin, dropped a couple of weeks ago in their new album, Laundry Pile. Uh, it will hit your earwaves on September the 21st. I got to ask you about your new raunchy sketch comedy, The Dessert, premiered on <laughs> Crave on July 7th. You're an executive producer. You've conjured up the music for this TV show. Now, now that it's out, what do you think? Oh, I mean, I've been watching those sketches for the better part of a couple of years now. Um, you know, the, the guys who created it, um, Mike Veerman, Shane Cunningham, and John Populus, they're old dear pals of mine. I do a podcast with Mike and Shane called The Best Hang. And they're such students of comedy. That, you know, they love Saturday Night Live, Kids in the Hall, I Think You Should Leave. And they've been dreaming about making a show like this. And it's just been amazing to be in a cheerleader kind of position because they're really doing the heavy lifting with, with the show. They're writing it, they're starring it. Um, they've recruited these two brilliant comics, uh, Jillian Smart and Bella Campbell, who are so funny uh, to also star in the show. And um, to lend a helping hand is just the greatest kind of gift. I don't know. I'm just like so pleased that I got to kind of contribute some music. I got to call myself an executive producer. 
and I get to you know see my name on a show that's you know streaming on Crave right now. So yeah, if, if you're a fan of like sketch comedy and you like you know those shows that I mentioned, I think you should leave Saturday Night Live. Like I think you should give it a go because it's, uh, it's 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 kind of a crazy show. Yeah. But, I, but we were kind of allowed to do whatever we wanted to, which was cool. That is awesome. Last one, because I know we're pressed for time. Uh, one of your recent TikToks made me howl. You were bemoaning the launch of Instagram threads and not, nothing against <laughs> IG, but you know, you, you could not accommodate one more social media account. So fans want to know, are you in on threads or out? Uh, I've signed up for it. And I'm gonna, I don't know. I'll try to keep an open mind. I don't know. I, I feel like I had a bad <laughs> attitude with TikTok in the beginning and now I kind of enjoy it. So who knows? <laughs> Well, we're looking forward to your threads and your TikToks and your Instagram feeds and Twitter and the whole uh, kit and caboodle. Max, uh, appreciate the time today. Thank you very much. And good luck not only with skin, but with uh, Laundry Pile as well. Thanks so much. The great Max Kerman. There you have breaking news. He is now on threads. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Hamilton Health Science is launching its Socks Off campaign. Bring to the forefront of people's awareness the the need and the critical importance of getting people's socks off during routine diabetic visits, particularly in the primary care setting. That is the voice of Dr. Brian McKenna, deputy lead physician with the Hamilton Family Health Team, and says the goal of this campaign is to reduce the number of patients who lose a foot to amputation due to well, things like diabetes. And here to talk about it is Dr. Fadi Elias, a vascular surgeon with Hamilton Health Sciences. Dr. Elias, good morning. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. Tell us about this campaign. Great. So it's in partnership with the Hamilton Health Sciences, the vascular surgeons like myself, uh, the family physicians across Hamilton, and most importantly, the patients. And the goal here is to make sure that our patients that are at risk of limb loss or amputation are getting their feet checked and that's you know by themselves they're getting educated in how to check their own feet for for high risk areas they might develop breakdown in skin and by their family physicians and their primary care providers to be able to take their socks off when they're visiting their family care providers have their feet checked and if they're at risk of developing breakdown in skin or an ulceration to get seen by the appropriate care providers to prevent limb loss and to prevent needing surgeries from myself. So anyone who uh, especially has diabetes and are checking out their feet, what should they be looking for? Rashes, scars, cuts, bruises? Yeah. So the most important thing is that they you know, they take off their shoes, they check between the toes to check for any you know areas that might look dark or blistering or the skin's beginning to you know bleed. Often patients with diabetes or vascular disease have decreased sensation, so they can't feel any pain if they have a small cut. And these small cuts and sores can develop very quickly and get infected, and uh, you know they can progress quite quickly. So our recommendation is that p- these patients are always wearing shoes, uh, even indoors, because again, small cuts can develop into large sores, that they moisturize their feet every day to prevent any cracks or breaks, and that they check their feet every day to make sure that you know they don't have any concerning findings that need to bring them to immediate care. So if they if they notice a cut, um, are, are they calling nine one one? Are they just making an appointment at their doctor? How serious should they be taking each and every little cut, or or I guess uh, question mark? That's a really good point. So I think it's reasonable that you know if we identify these small little cuts, 
uh, that uh, it's brought to the attention of their, you know, their family doctor or their primary care provider. Um, but most importantly, that we begin to care for this local area. So that means, again, making sure that uh, people uh, start, start to wear their, sh their socks and shoes to protect this area, uh, to, you know, uh, to begin to offload or begin to take their feet off, you know, st st stop standing on, sitting on their feet all day and be able to pre present to their primary care provider to be able to get these assessed. It's not an immediate emergency, but it can develop, you know, over the next days and weeks to something more serious. So seeing their, their family doctor is the most important thing. Dr. Fadi Elias is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Dr. Elias is a vascular surgeon with Hamilton Health Sciences, and we're talking about the HHS Socks Off campaign. Um, when it comes to amputations, are there a lot of them in the city of Hamilton? Unfortunately, yes. I mean, Hamilton has been identified as having one of the highest rate of amputations in, in Ontario. Um, and so this has really prompted uh, Hamilton Health Sciences as well as the Ontario Health Network to begin to, to focus on identifying these patients earlier to you know shift their course and to uh, provide the care that they need so they do not lead to an amputation. So why do we have a higher rates than, than other cities? Is there a reason for it? Uh, I think it would be a number of reasons why, and, and part of it is the higher rates of you know, diabetes, smoking, and uh, you know other comorbidities that lead to peripheral vascular disease or blockages of blood flow. Um, another challenge can definitely be uh, the access to uh, you know family health care and different types of uh, uh, specialists within Hamilton. So, in a combination of patients that have you know, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, different uh, disease disease processes going on and difficulty to access some of these care uh, can uh, can lead to some of these challenges. And I think that's really the goal of our campaign to to provide an education opportunity for both patients and for the primary care providers to uh, provide expedited care for these patients. When it comes to the amputation phase, how does an individual get to that point? What is going on within the foot, for example, that this this only course of action is to amputate that, that part of the body? So a number of things come together. So one is usually a significant lack of blood flow. So these patients get blockages of blood flow because of peripheral vascular disease or buildup of plaque or, or blood clots in the legs and they get a significant reduced blood flow to the legs, so the tissue begins to starve. The second factor uh, is infection. So they pick up a bug when you know they don't have great blood flow or they have a crack in their foot or a small breakdown in skin. And a combination of lack of blood flow and the infection can lead to significant tissue loss. And my role as a vascular surgeon is to try to provide surgical options to try to prevent limb loss or amputations. But often these, you know, a number of patients can come so late to to seeking care, or the the the, the process has gone so quickly that they uh, are in need of an amputation to save their life. And why does this happen in the feet as opposed to other areas of the body? So it can happen in other areas of the body. It can happen in the hands, and other ways. But usually it happens in the feet because it's you know the farthest away from the body. Um, this the uh, the sores can often be missed because once again, patients don't feel, uh, uh, they have less sensation in the lower extremities. Um, and it's, you know, the area that we're walking on every day. So it, it has the most stress and the most damage 
to to when we're moving around. Makes a lot of sense. It's the Sox Off campaign. For more information, head over to the Hamilton Health Sciences website and check your feats. Dr. Elias, thanks for the time this morning. Thank you very much. And as Dr. Fadi Elias, he's a vascular surgeon at Hamilton Health Sciences. And yeah, unfortunately, Hamilton has one of the highest rates of amputation due to vascular disease and diabetes in Ontario. So as the campaign suggests, take your socks off, check your feet daily. If something is awry, you have a question, maybe a cut that you can't quite feel from a pain perspective, certainly give your doctor a call and make an appointment. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Tell you who's taking care of business these days. People at Mohawk College. Yes, indeed he do. Because they have expanded, they're already in expansion mode when it comes to their city school program. And long story short, this remarkable program offers individuals who don't have post-secondary education, the, the tools they need to jump into the workforce. And they go into areas of whatever city they're in. We're going to talk about the new community that they're going into. Uh, here in Hamilton, they've gone to places uh, with their mobile classroom and say, all right, ladies and gentlemen, come on in and learn and enter the workforce. It's a, it's a novel idea, and it's been working exceptionally well since it launched a few years ago. Gwen Zeldenrust is an academic manager in Community Partnerships and Learning at Mohawk College and joins us here on Good Morning Hamilton. Gwen, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You are now in expansion mode. What's going on? Right. So um, we're working, we're going to be um, delivering some language classes in Haldeman County at the uh, via the Haldeman County Library in September. So uh, what happened there is Paul Diet, the CEO of Haldeman County Libraries, um, th- they've noticed uh, a lot of new people coming in and asking for language classes, and there's not a lot of language services out there. So they came to Mohawk College. We've been delivering uh, for the last 27 years. We've been the- delivering language instructions for newcomers to Canada, or short form LINK. Um, so they came to us and um, our funder, who's IRCC, uh, Immigration and Refugees Citizenship Canada, uh, was totally supportive of the initiative. So we're going to be going out there to, and um, talking and not talking, <laughs> providing classes to to newcomers so they can learn language and, and increase their language benchmarks. That is an important skill to have, that is for sure. And there's also going to be, from what I understand, a free landscape construction course that are going to be offered in Caledonia, which is going to, uh, I guess, address a shortage of skilled laborers in that community. That's correct. Um, that's um part of city school and as you already mentioned we bring uh we go there and deliver we go into communities it's place-based learning and deliver um skills that that folks need to get into the workforce or to go and continue on to post-secondary education so we've been talking to to the same same folks in in Haldeman County and we are going up to Dunville. So why Haldeman County and was the uh, the expansion to I guess the outlying communities uh, around Hamilton always the plan? Well, the plan really was was to go where we're needed. And Haldeman County, um, they don't have a lot of services um, post secondary or or um, a lot of the colleges aren't operating in Haldeman County, so they approached us, and there's a need. So we're going out there because um, there are folks that need what we offer. 
We're talking about the Mohawk City School Program with Gwen Zeldenrust, Academic Manager, Community Partnerships and Learning at Mohawk College on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. In regards to the City School Program, we know this is a mobile unit. Can you paint a picture of what this looks like and how students interact with the instructors? Okay, so the mobile unit is is actually a converted um, um, transport truck trailer, and it expands out. It has some some bump outs and expands out to a thousand square foot classroom. We do various things there. Um, one of the most popular things we do in the mobile is welding. There's twelve welding bays, and um, the instructor comes in and does, they do hands-on learning. They learn, they actually learn the techniques of welding. Um, she it gives students um, and participants the idea of what it would be like to, to be a welder and, and to understand what skill sets needed. And 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 our, our courses offer them the skill set to get started in the workforce. What is the cost for anyone who participates in the city school program? It's totally free. Well, I knew the Every, answer was that. I thought you were going to be more excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's totally free. Everything we do um, is is um, subsidized. So yeah. we have various funders that uh, support our programming, um, provincial, federal, um, private, and they support all of our programs so that there's no cost to the learners. It, it really is amazing. I mean, you're if you have to learn English, uh, if you want to become a welder, if you want to get into landscaping, I mean, this is a free resource for individuals to take advantage of. I can only imagine the feedback that you get from students is like off the charts positive. Oh, for sure. Um, it's it's life changing for many people. Um, a lot of people that come to our programming don't think that they can ever attend post secondary education, or you know they have they they have goals in the workforce, but they never think they can reach them. And and they come and they they build their confidence and they build their skill set and they get set up to to go where they need to go or where they want to go. It's an incredible program, and you can get more details online at mohawkcollege.ca. Gwen, thanks for the time this morning. Best of luck with us. Oh, thanks, Rick. Gwen Zeldenrust is an academic manager, community partnerships and learning at Mohawk College. Again, more details on the Mohawk College website. It's a phenomenal program. And the landscaping construction course uh, is going to run August 1st to 30th in Caledonia. So if you're in and around that area, live in the area, you want to get into landscape construction, this is the place and the time to do so. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode, and make sure you rate and review.